Wow. Welcome to Grace Point Church. If you're first time with us today, this is kind of a hybrid kind of a day, and you'll kind of get the feel for that uh, in, in a moment. But it's also a new day for us. It's a, a new beginning, a new start, a restart, or whatever. And what an exciting time to be here and to be a part of this uh, kind of historical moment. Hopefully it will be one of those that not only be historical for our church, but it will be historical and meaningful for you in your own life. Uh, we just want to say thank you to call a uh, shout out for our uh, PSW, Pope Stanley Wilcox. I don't think they're in the house this, this service, but they are the architects behind this, the remodel and everything. They just did a, an amazing job about blending it all together, capturing our ethos and really communicating that in, in, in an architectural form. And then Flint Co., we're going to keep them on speed dial because we're already out of parking, I understand, uh, in, in, in even the transition to this service. So uh, we got a lot happening, and it's exciting times. Um, it's not about the building, though. I mean, it, the building obviously is a tool in in our in our in our toolbox. It helps us uh, to be able to do the ministry that we do. But it is not about this building. Please don't, as Jared sang in the very first song, clear the stage, remove the idols. This is not about it. It's about our God, and we're worshiping Him, we're serving Him. And I'm just glad you get to be, we get to be a part of it together in today and all the festivities of today that go on. But you know, when you come to talking about the new things of God and, and so forth like that, about February of this year, I woke up, I had one of those wake-up calls in the middle of the night woke up and it was like very clear, very vivid, this is what you need to speak on July 14th. It was a passage, it was a phrase, it was really just a phrase. And then I started doing the re word ser searches on it, trying to find where, where, where it was all mentioned. And I found, actually found it in the Old Testament, the New Testament. And then I began to think, wow, this is not just something, because I knew of it in Second Corinthians, but I didn't know of it in the other places. And I began to see, this is a pattern. God is up to doing new things. We all like a new car. New car smell, it's intoxicating. We all like a new home. We like the carpet, the new furniture. We like a, we like a new relationship. We like a, a new pet. Well, some people like new pets. And we, we, we like newness. It brings a, a rejuvenation to our spirits and to our, our thoughts. Well, this phrase, all things new, was that phrase that woke me up. And again, I remembered it in, in 2 Corinthians, and we'll come there in a moment, but then I began to see there's a pattern throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament of God doing new things. In fact, uh, when, as, you, as you just kind of look at the scriptures, I want to bring out four different axioms, if you will, to what God does in the whole new things concept. One of the things is that every day is a new work of God's mercy. Every day you get up, Every good day, bad day, sunny day, rainy day, you can realize as you get up, if you're a follower and in relationship with Jesus Christ, you are walking into a day that you don't know what's going to happen to you, into situations that you don't even know if you're going to be able to handle yourself, but you can rest assured that he will have ample enough mercy and it will be new and fresh every morning. Lamentations is a passage of, or a book that probably your pages are still stuck together. Who wants to read a book on lamenting? Uh, but here's what it says in Lamentations chapter 3. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. That phrase alone ought to give you enough energy to live out the rest of the days of your life to know that 
Every day, there's never going to be a circumstance, situation, obstacle that you're going to face that His mercies will not be sufficient enough for the, the, for the task at hand. But then He goes on, and they're new every morning. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's mercies are new each and every day. Hymns have been written about this right here. So every day, every day, every day you get up, there's a new work of God's mercy in and around you. Number two axiom is that every life is a new life in Christ. Every life is a new life in Christ. Now, we at New Year's resolutions, we turn over new leaves. Listen, when I turn over new leaves with Christ, you get a new life in Christ. The new life comes to us, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, or chapter, uh, chapter uh, 5, excuse me, verse 17 says, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We get a new life, a new, a new mercies each and every day. Here's another one, just really quickly. Everyone has an opportunity for a new eternity. Now, I may step across the line and offend some of y'all today, but it's just the reality of Scripture is that every single one of us, as we live this on, on this earth, we are sinners by nature and choice. There is no one sin greater than another sin. There is no uh, magnitude of the amount of sins that you commit. Therefore, you go to hell and the, I go to heaven. That's not how it works. All right? Holy God, perfect God. And if I sin one time, it makes me a sinner. How many lives do I lie before I'm a liar? How many times do I have to steal before I become a, a thief? You know? The reality is, is I by very, very nature and choice. But in Christ, everybody can have a new eternity. New map, new direction, new hope, new home. Uh, Revelation chapter 21, verse 5 he has seated. He, he who was seated at, at the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. Now, these are just some great, quick flyovers. 30,000 foot, each one of those deserves an entire message unto itself. But here's the beauty of it. God does new things. He does fresh things. He does great works. But I want to give you one more axiom, and this is what we're going to build on. Because if you look at those, you might think, okay, yeah, I get mercies new every day. And okay, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Christ, so I, I'm, I know I have a new life. But, and I know I'm going to heaven when I die, Mike. But here's another one for us. All the peoples of God. Now we're talking about plural now. All the peoples of God can anticipate a new work of God. Now, in the Old Testament, we didn't have the word church. In the New Testament, we get introduced to the word church. And so the passage that we're going to look at today, we'll not use the word church, but I'm just going to use it in the overarching plural form of the peoples of God. God wants to do new works in His people. New works in His people. Church is just like this. God wants to do a new work in His people. In Isaiah 43, verse 9, it says this, I am doing a new thing now. God is going to do, wants to do in you in th- and through you a new work right now, through us as a church. So let me take you back to February. Again, I wake up in the middle of the night, all things new. God, what's this about? We're going into a new building, but it's not about the building. The building's awesome. They did a good job, but it's not about the building. What's the all things new? And God just began to from February to this day, and even this morning, began to morph this message into my heart that I want to share with you right now, just hopefully giving us as a church some sense of direction. Now, so you go back and you study this Isaiah 43, what's going on? The people of Israel are in exile under the Babylonian control. Babylon is modern-day Iraq, desert, desolate land, and they are the slaves to the Babylonians. 
And God gives them a message of hope. He says, listen, I'm going to do a new thing. It's going to spring up in the desert. You're going to find a way in the wilderness. You're going to find this. I am doing this. And some of you all right now may be looking at your life saying, I am in a desert. I understand that. I'm in a wilderness. I don't know where I'm going or which ends up. Perfect. You're in a right position for God to do a new thing. Here we are in a church. We've got a lot on our plate. We've got a lot before us. Listen, I believe that God is wanting to do a new thing in us. He's been doing a great thing in us for the past 13 years, past 12 years, excuse me. But I believe that the next 12 years will be even greater as we move forward and we walk with him. This word new, we've got to kind of zero in on that for a moment. The word new is the idea of refresh, the idea of, of, of a newness, even to remodel something. It's used throughout the scriptures. You find it used of the altar of the temple. You find even David in Psalm 51 praying that God would give him a new heart, a new heart. So the idea of a personal, intimate work of God, even David praying after his sin with Bathsheba, God, give me a new heart. Same word that we're looking at today in Isaiah chapter 43. We started about a year and a half ago. Actually, it started long before a year and a half ago. But a year and a half ago, we brought it to our church, and we gave every one of our members one of these little acorns. Now, there may be a third of y'all weren't even here on that day, or maybe a half of y'all weren't here on that day when we were talking about this envision, when this was just nothing but a piece of dirt out here. And we gave everyone one of these little seeds, and and we know what an acorn produces. It produces an oak. So what is in this little thing is not what we think of. We think of this as something I can crush in my hands and throw on the ground or bury it in the ground and pour water on it. But what we think of it, what can become, and that's where envision comes in. You throw a little seed on the ground that means nothing, but you take care of it, you water it, you believe in it, and all of a sudden you have mighty oaks being planted. Now, I'm not going to go back and re-preach that message from, from a year and a half ago. But I want us to stand here in this building and see this is part of what God was been about. As we have planted ourselves, as we have believed in faith, as we moved out. Heidi Rogers has a tremendous piece of art out in our, in our gallery that you can look at on your way out today. That she, uh, in part, gained part of the inspiration through this whole process. It's called gather, uh, Scattering Seeds. You need to see that. Thousands of hours has been spent on that just to communicate this whole concept. Where am I going with all this? When you throw a seed on the ground, you don't think of it necessarily what it's going to fully become, but you believe in it. You don't know how many branches it's going to produce, but you believe in it. And I want us today, as a church, as we sit here today, to not just sit here, but to start thinking of ourselves being planted and believing that God's going to do something in us. But how do we get ready for that new thing that God's leading us to? Because it's not just about a new building. How do we get to that point? Well, I take this passage of Scripture in Isaiah 43, and I want us to just look at it real quickly. And let me read a few verses just to lay the foundation, and then we'll pull it apart a little bit. Verse uh, 16 of Isaiah 43, it says this, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea. Now, just remember that phrase, makes a way in the sea. It's kind of a dead clue giveaway. A path in the mighty waters and brings forth a chariot and horses and army and warrior. And they lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. 
may get lost in all of that poetry there, for, but hang with me. Verse 18. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? A rhetorical question here. Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? Can you not discern it? I'm doing it. Are you not seeing it? Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Look at this passage. As we think about as a church today, again, guests, great day to be here if you really want to kind of feel some of the internal workings of our church. Strategy meeting day is actually for some a boring day, but for others, I want us to see it as a, a foundational day, kind of a day where you can see the underworkings of a church and how it kind of works together. This is a good day to be here. But as we think about it, let's talk about the future. Let's talk about looking ahead, the three directions I want to see. If we're going to see into the future, what, what, where do we look? What directions do we look? Number one, you look back. You look back because when you look back, you're going to be inspired. And I think if you look back on Grace Point Church and you look at it long enough and deep enough, you should be inspired. Notice what he did here in this passage. He took the people of Israel and he took them back several hundred years. He took them back to, to a day when they were in exile, not to the Babylonians, hang with me, but to the Egyptians. He took them back. He said, you know, remember that day whenever I took you to the sea and the sea parted and you walked across and the chariots came in behind you, they were going to kill you, slaughter you, and then bring you back or just feed you to the sharks in the Red Sea? You remember that day? Well, also, what did I do to those chariots? I parted the water for you. You walked through on dry ground. And then I obliterated the Egyptians. I, I blew them out like a wick, it said. Now, the interesting thing is that I, it took me a while to get this. But it's the next phrase in that, on that screen. Then after God to Isaiah brings this reality back, reminds them of the past, then what does he turn around and say? Remember not the former things. Here's something that's absolutely critical for you and I today. As we as a church are moving into the future, we look back and we remember what God has done. But let's not focus on the past. Remember not the former things. In fact, one translation says it, forget all of that. What is he saying? In, in short, here's, here's, here's my McDaniel amplified version. You ain't seen nothing yet. I've done some really cool things in the past. I blew out the Egyptians like a candle wick. You ain't seen nothing yet. Listen, God has done some beautiful things in the Grace Point past. We've had some great life-changing stories. In fact, Lori and I last night were hanging a picture. You'll, if you're in, come back this afternoon, or actually just hang over after the service, because immediately following the service, we're going to have the great adventure, the Grace Point great adventure, and we'll talk about that later. But one of the rooms that you're going to be invited to go to has one wall. I had, I had only one responsibility in this whole remodel building project, one wall. It's the history wall. And Lori and I, as we hung the last photo last night on the wall, and I looked at the photo, I walked, stepped back, some of the stuff that, we, artifacts, if you will, from the very beginning, even before we started the church, and I realized, we've been at this a long time. I told her that. And then it was just like, 
I don't have any regrets either. This has been an amazing 12-year ride. In fact, if you look at this, this is the numbers of people who have been baptized year by year. First year, we had one person baptized. Every year, God's been just about adding more and more people. 483 people total over the course of 12 years have professed their faith in Christ through baptism at Grace Point Church. Let's give the Lord a hand. That's an amazing, beautiful reality. You, but you know what God would say to us if he was speaking to the prophet Isaiah today? He would say, forget it all. Don't remember those things. I'm going to do a new thing right now in this day, in this age. Let's press ahead. I made a way in the wilderness. Excuse me, I made a way in the sea. But let me talk about this. And you can see the parallel down in verse, in last part of verse 19. He says, now I'm going to make a way in the wilderness. See, the Lord, our God, is the God of the sea. He's the God of the wilderness. He's the God of it all. And if he made a way in the sea, he will make a way in the wilderness. One of the things we've done back in March this year, we ask y'all, the church, because we knew going to two services, we knew adding this much, more than doubling our square footage, we knew all of that would change a little bit how you might feel coming into the building and how you might feel about Grace Point. We thought we need to figure out what are our core values that we are not going to sacrifice. And so we ask you. We ask you to take a little little post-it note, sheet of paper, and just write them. Some of y'all wrote paragraphs, and some of y'all wrote one words. We took those, we compiled them, we put them together. Some people emailed them in to us, and we compiled them all together. And we said, what did the people of Grace Point say I'd never, ever, ever, ever want to lose about Grace Point? And here's what you said. The number one thing is you don't want to lose the friendliness of the church, the connectivity of the church, the relationships of the church. And the fear is that we're going to be bigger now and there's going to be more people there so I can't connect, I can't be friendly. Listen, we have literally built this facility so that you can connect more. We realized on day one in the phase one that we did not have enough community connection space. We were like herding cats, herding you in, herding you out. We have got all across the front of our facilities, all the way from one end of the building, the old building, all the way to this building, places for you to sit and to meet and to talk and to have a cup of coffee and to build community with people. That was absolutely a priority for us, and it's a priority for you. Hey, Mike, if the church is going to get bigger, it's going to get impersonal. I've got to find a smaller church. You know what? I don't know if you realize this, but the size of the church does not determine personalization. I have literally been a guest speaker at smaller churches where I walk in as the guest speaker and nobody greet me as the guest speaker. And that's it. I mean, that's just the way it is. Size does not determine personalization. People determine personalization. If we're going to be a friendly church, it's going to be because every one of us is going to be friendly. Large or small, neither uh, determines that. All right, number two, second thing you said is outward focus. So much of the time, so much of the budget, so much of the energy, so much of the focus of so many churches is on self. We don't want to lose that, that value. I love it this summer that, that we did not slow up our missions going, giving in any way whatsoever, as you'll see here in just a few moments. That, that Wade took, uh, took uh, 14 or 15 of our teenagers, our 9th and 10th graders, to uh, uh, New York City to serve and to work among one of the most unchurched cities in the nation. And, and, then, and then he got back about a week later and he took a whole other 14 uh, 11th and 12th graders to Peru 
We're on Mission Church. We're about well beyond our four walls. I love it that Caleb, I'm just going to kind of give kudos to our student ministry right now. But Caleb, our junior high pastor, has taken our junior high students the past couple of weeks. He took, he took 40 students over to Saving Grace and just served women that are in transitional uh, situations of their life, leaving foster care and moving into adulthood. Junior hires can do that. Junior hires this past week can go and sit in a nursing home or, or uh, in, in a retirement home in Bella Vista and just listen to the stories and love on the widows and the older people that are many times forgotten. I love it that they didn't just have a swim party, they had a serve and swim. Outward focus. We're going to keep that. That's front burner for us. But also, you said you didn't want worship or teaching to change. You wanted that to be strong and a core value for us. Guess what? This room is dedicated to that. We, not only that, is we just took our kids out of a closet over here that they were shoved into, and we gave them an entire room dedicated for them for worship. So we are about worship. We are about the teaching. Listen, I'm excited as I was when we started 12 years ago with five families of sold-out people. I am just as excited today with 50,000 square foot full of people who are willing to be sold out. If you're just here to set, soak, and sour, please give up your seat to someone else. This is a church that is on mission, outward focus. We want to be on mission. We want to stay on mission. We don't want to lose that whatsoever. Let me talk about number two. If we're looking, what are we looking for? We're going to look back so we can gain inspiration to move forward. But also, I want us to look forward. We need to look forward. That requires a seeing. We've got to be able to see it. Now, you got your Bibles. you got verse 16 open there. He says, remember not the former things nor the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. It springs forth. Do you not perceive it? That word perceive, discern. Do you not see what God is doing? I'm convinced God is doing work around us, all around us, right here, right now. We got to be aware of it. God was doing work in our church Two years ago, and I told you this two weeks back if you were with us, I didn't want to build this building, and that's the God-honest truth. I didn't want to build this building. I didn't want to go into another building program. I was, I was fine, happy, and content with that one building that we had. This was not my idea. But there was a wake-up call for me when I realized that we were reaching a point in time what is what's called by some a strategic inflection point in the business world. It's whenever a church, in our case, reaches a point of growth that if it doesn't make decisions, proper, good, sound decisions, that it will begin to tail off and it will begin to die. We begin to see it in attendance. We begin to see it in giving. We begin to see it in lots of different ways. And all of a sudden, and I didn't want to build another building. I didn't. Strategic inflection point, when I came to the realization of this, is I realized that we need to make some changes or listen to this. Mike McDaniel needed to leave. If I was going to be the pastor for this church in the future, Mike had to change. 
And so as we move forward, I tell you, I'm ready. I'm ready now. I wasn't then. I wasn't perceiving the new work that God wanted to do. I was stuck in the past. I want to see. I want to see where God's moving. I want to see the new work that he's, and I want to go towards it. So we, in, in that, in that two-year process, we have made some very key changes. One of the things is realization of just in our own pastoral team, there needed to be some changes in our own staffing. And so we made some changes. We've added three different buckets, if you will, that work with me, closer, closest with me. Uh, as, I, as I'm the lead pastor, we have our navigators. All right, those navigators are Jared. Jared leads our community arts and worship. Uh, obviously, you see him up here bouncing around from time to time. Uh, Eric leads our family ministries. And then Randy, who we're proposing today, will be a part of our global advancement team. Now, he's been part-time, but we're actually wanting to take him to full-time. And uh, today, if you got your ballots when you came in, uh, actually, we left him off the ballot <laughs> by accident. Uh, because he is in full support of the deacons and everybody as a recommendation. So I'm going to talk to you about it in a little while. You can just write his name in and put yes or no. Yes would be that you want him full-time. No would be that you would not agree with that. So you can, you can fill that out later on. But let me just tell you a little bit about this so you can kind of, kind of know where we're at. Eric has had a lot of things on his plate. Eric has been spread probably thinner than anybody else. And we realize that. So Eric is actually being being his some of his tasks are going to randy and then some of them are going to be staying with him he's going to be focusing his attention on family ministries and body life groups we realize body life groups are absolutely critical for us all right as we grow larger we got to have to grow smaller and we believe Eric can lead us in that. We also realize our, our children's ministry is absolutely an absolute must. We got to have it. Many of y'all would not be here no matter how great the preacher is or how great the band is if you didn't have a strong children's ministry. So we, as you know, we've been looking for a children's ministry to, uh, to replace Diane who left us earlier this summer. And Stacy Simmons has been our MDO director and she is an amazing individual, mother of five. That's a children's ministry unto itself. And uh, she uh, and her uh, and her husband are here and their family's here and they're uh, we're, we're proposing that she come on as our children's uh, uh, pastor uh, in, in, in the coming year. So be thinking about that. But also, Randy, let me talk about Randy real quickly, because all this kind of fits into that strategic inflection point. Randy, we're asking him to come on and to lead our global advancement, adult specialty ministries, which would also include our women's and men's ministry. Rachel Ferguson, who is a part-time, is already with us and working, and, uh, and so we're glad to have her on, on board with us. But we're, we're looking to having Randy join us on, on a full-time basis and lead our, our partnerships in West Africa and around the world uh, as, as we move forward. When I look back over the 12 years of Grace Point Church, I get inspired to move ahead. Because if he did with five families in a living room on Nita Road and Rogers, and look where we're at today, what will he do in the future? He has showed us great favor. I'm sticking around. I'm hoping you're going to be here. I'm encouraged by the past. I'm also looking forward. I'm wanting to perceive what God is doing. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be the one who misses the obvious. I've got to have my eyes open. I've got to have my heart willing. I've got to be willing to change myself. Again, I didn't want to build this building. 
Inflection point, God was up to something. If I don't go with him, this church is a different church. And what God wants to do in your life is the same thing. Are you willing to look forward to find out where he's moving? But here's another thing, another direction that we need to look. We need to look around. Look around for where God may be working right now. You think, Mike, you don't understand. I haven't heard God speak in umpteen years. When I look at my life, where I am right now is not my five-year plan. It's nowhere on my five-year plan. My relationship, my job, my life, my, my own sense of satisfaction and contentment. And direct, you know, it's just not where I want it to be. Guess what? Let me say this. You are in the best place for God to work. God does some of his greatest, most powerful, most transforming works in the wildernesses and in the deserts of our life. Did you hear me? If you're in the desert and you think God's not here, God can't be here. Listen, that may be right where he is. He is trying to make a way in the wilderness. He is trying to make a stream in the desert. You see it right there in that passage. It says in the last part of verse 19, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. If he can part at the seas, if he can make a way in the wilderness, if he can, if he can make a stream come up in a desert, and they're living in the Babylonian Iraqi desert, then my, my friends, wherever you are today and wherever we are today, God can do a great work. He does some of his greatest works in the wildernesses of our life. Joseph was rescued from a pit to become a prince. Moses heard God in a burning bush to become the the leader of the people of Israel while in the wilderness. Jonah experienced revival in the belly of the well. A lot of people thought that the belly of the well or the belly of the fish that he was in was actually God's judgment. It wasn't. It's God's salvation. You do your own research on that and read Jonah. He saw it as God's salvation. Jesus experienced angels ministering to him in the wilderness after 40 days of fasting. God does some of his greatest and his deepest work in the wilderness and the desert of our lives. The last book of this book that was ever written was written in prison by John on the island of Patmos. God does some of his greatest work in the wilderness and the deserts of your life. He wants to do it in you. He wants to do it in us. Twelve years ago when we started Grace Point Church, let me say this to you. I know it's easy to look around this room and say, oh, well, you don't have any problems today. Yes, we do. You don't have any wildernesses today. Yes, we do. You don't have any deserts today. Yes, we most certainly do. But let me just take you back 12 years ago when it was five families starting out in the living room. Let me just take you back then and just talk about how churches in the area talked down about us, spread rumors about us. How when we didn't have any, any, any money, we didn't have a building, and we had just a handful of people. Let me tell you, that was a wilderness. That was a desert. But God made a way. God made a way. And listen, I want to see the wildernesses. I want to see the deserts. I want to see the seas. Because this is what I want to see, is I want to see God do His work. Getting through them. So wherever you are right now in your life, In a wilderness, in a desert, right now is a beautiful time for God to do His work.